Hello everyone and welcome back to the Whale Nerds podcast. Um, this is going to be mini-sode number five and this is Caitlin here. I know it's been a while since we've um, put out any podcast episodes. It's been a it's been a wild time for us. Um, me, Slater, and Eric have all been through a lot of changes the last few months. Um, and I'm actually recording here from the opposite side of the country from last time I spoke to you guys. I'm out in Massachusetts now, um, and Eric and Slater have also relocated um, within California. So uh, we've had a lot of things going on, but I wanted to take a few um, days to do some research and come up with some mini so topics, and I was able to make the most of a couple days off where we have not been on the water because of a storm. So the mini-sode number five that I want to talk to you about is welcome to Gloucester because that is where I'm working right now. So I'm the first mate on the Hurricane 2 at Cape Ann Whale Watch. Um, and Gloucester is a very historic um, town with a lot of maritime history and we actually do talk about that like during our our trips and so I thought that would be a pretty cool mini-sode topic. Um, so I did some research and I think it's going to be a fairly long mini-sode, um, but we'll see how it goes. And I just want to say thank you so much for everyone for sticking with us um, throughout all of this. I'm sure all of you are going through a lot of different changes right now as well. A lot of the marine industries are being impacted as well as everyone else um, throughout the pandemic. And um, there's been a lot of social unrest. I was actually, when I was laid off for a little while, I was in Portland. They are like going on 80 days of protests there. Um, and it's important work, but it's it's heavy and it's hard and it takes a lot of time and emotional strength to process. And so um, some of that has been affecting me, but also everyone else. And so um, it's been good to kind of just like take a minute and relax and and sort through things. So um, I do feel like we're kind of ready to get back into some content. Hopefully I'll get Eric and Slater and some guests on here pretty soon. Some of my new co-workers and people I've met out here are pretty excited about the podcast. Um, so hopefully we'll get some more of that soon. But I do want to dive into the Cape Ann area and Gloucester. So Gloucester is America's oldest seaport. Um, it's located on Cape Ann, Massachusetts. And it, it was originally inhabited by the Pawtucket people. Um, those were the indigenous people that lived in the Cape Ann area. There is a lot of um, misinformation about who was out on the Cape Ann Peninsula area at the time of um, European contact. But the most reliable source I could find um, on capeannhistory.org clarified that it was the Pawtucket people um, that were originally there in the 1600s when the first French explorer, Samuel, uh, Samuel de Champlain, made his second trip to Cape Ann in 1606. Um, and he actually aimed the area Le Beauport. Um, and there are still some uh, buildings and vessels named after that um, original naming from 1606. Um, in 1614, the English captain John Smith arrived to Gloucester um, and named it Cape uh, I'm going to try my best on this one. Cape Traga Bigzanda after a Turkish princess. Um, but later on, King Charles of England renamed the area Cape Anne in, in honor of his mother, Queen Anne. So um, this area was landed on by European settlers several times. It went through several quote-unquote discoveries 
Um, we People were already there. They knew that the area was there. But according to the Europeans, it was discovered and rediscovered. And then um, there was an attempt to settle the area. Um, unfortunately, by 1617, so this is before even a full-time settlement was in the area, um, about 75% of the Native American or indigenous people that had inhabited the area died of disease brought over by the European um, explorers, um, which is, it holds pretty true of a lot of um, locations where early European settlement happened in the Americas, um, and it's really unfortunate. But by 1613, or 1623, um, an English settlement had formed in the area, and they were attracted by the abundance of codfish in the waters offshore. The early years of settlement in Cape Ann were super unstable, and the area was actually abandoned uh, several times and resettled several times. Um, the town of Gloucester was officially incorporated in 1642. Um, farming was one of the main industries in the area. But a couple things helped secure Gloucester as a stable town moving forward from here. The abundance of forested land helped Gloucester and the neighboring town of Essex um, to have enough resources to become major shipbuilding capitals. Um, a new style of ship was coming out of these shipyards and it was called the schooner. Um, Cape Ann became a location that supported industries such as sailmakers, chandleries, rope walks, marine railways, and more. Salted fish was Gloucester's principal export. Foreign trade brought wine, fruit, salt, molasses, rum, and sugar to the area. Um, and by the time the American Revolution came around, it devastated Gloucester um, in the mid-1700s, well, the third quarter of the 1700s. Um, and but by the end of the 1700s, the town had recovered. In the 1800s, um, artists began flocking to Gloucester, the, and the granite industry had emerged, bringing in more Im um, European immigrants. By the 1840s, immigrants from the Azores, which is in Portugal, um, came to work in the fishing industry, and the fishing industry began to expand with bigger vessels and more operators. The Rocky Neck Art Colony also began in the 1840s, and it is very popular with plein air artists, pr primarily painters, but there are also potters, textile designers, photographers, jewelry makers, and more, and they do display their art and sell it in galleries in the summer. When um, we go through the harbor on a whale watch, there are a few points of interest that we point out like as part of our harbor tour for guests. Um, so I did a little more research in depth about um, those points of interest. And one of the first things that we pass um, that I like to point out to folks is a factory called Cape Pond Ice. And Cape Pond Ice was established in 1848. That's before Abraham Lincoln was president. Like that was 172 years ago. Um, that's before the state that I grew up in, Oregon. That's before Oregon became a state. Um, now how did an ice company sell ice that long ago. The machinery to make ice didn't exist yet. Well, they had to collect ice from ponds and streams. Sometimes they would even artificially dam small streams to produce ice, and then they would store that ice in ice houses to be sold year-round. So why is ice uh, so important? Well, it revolutionized the fishing industry, and um, that really helped 
with the whole area of Cape Ann. Having ice on board to preserve their catch allowed fishermen to travel further out at sea and stay out for longer periods of time, but still deliver a fresh product when they came back to the dock. Um, now Cape Pond Ice, which is still in business, can produce 300 tons of ice every day. I mean, that's crazy. That's a lot of ice. Um, and we do serve Cape Pond Ice on, on the boat, I feel like pretty much all the ice you buy in town is Cape Pond ice. Um, the next point of interest that we point out is an old factory building and it originally was the Tarn Wanson Marine Paint Factory. It was established in 1863. So again a business that's been around for quite a long time and they produced the first anti-fouling paint for the bottom of boats. Um, so biofouling is what happens when marine organisms and algae um, grow on the underside of a vessel or the hull of a vessel um, and what what we do is we put this thing called bottom paint on the underside of the boat to help slow down that biofouling effect. Um, so the bottom paint that tar and Watson was originally producing was a mix of tar, dry copper oxide, and napantha or benzene. Um, and their original patent claimed, we have found by experiment that the hull of a vessel painted with our composition has remained free from shells and weeds for a period of 12 months, while another vessel painted in the common manner and employed in the same trade what became so foul in six weeks as to require scraping. Um, so this was, a, this was a huge deal. This paint was really um, changing up your maintenance schedule um, for, for vessels. Um, they were the first company to produce bottom paint in the U.S. and they were very successful for a time. Um, Tarn Watson produced copper paint for the maritime industry for over a hundred years and they sent their paint worldwide. Um, and again, this really revolutionized the fishing industry. Vessels could travel more efficiently at faster speeds, they required less maintenance, and then by the time you were putting engines on boats it was also less fuel consumption. So overall, this made your vessel much more cost effective and made turning a profit a lot easier. Um, other sectors of the boating industry were also reaping the benefits of using this bottom paint. But in 1980, the waterfront factory location was abandoned um, and it sat vacant for quite a while. In 2008, the old building was purchased by an organization called Ocean Alliance. Um, and it was to serve as their new headquarters. In addition to the amazing research and conservation that this organization has been doing, they've also been cleaning up this contaminated building and restoring it. As you can imagine, some of the components in the original bottom paint from Tar and Watson were pretty toxic. That's part of why they had to abandon the waterfront factory. Um, and so there was a lot of um, cleanup and environmental restoration that has to happen around the building. Um, so finally, the organization was able to move into part of the factory grounds in 2013 after um, getting part of it cleaned up and they're still continuing to clean the building to this day. Now what is Ocean Alliance? Ocean Alliance was founded in 1971 by Dr. Roger Payne um, and if you remember from previous mini-sows Dr. Roger Payne was one of the first to research and publish that humpback whales sing songs um, and he did this work along with his wife at the time Katie Payne and another researcher named Scott McVeigh. Now Ocean Alliance works with scientific partners to collect broad spectrum data on ocean life and whales. Their studies on whales involve toxicology, bioacoustics, and genetics. They are also the inventors of the Snotbot. Um, and they use drones in several applications of research and whale entanglement response. 
Um, in addition to studying humpback whales and other whales off the waters of New England, they also study southern right whales in South America and they do um, collaborate in, and work on a variety of other projects. So pretty amazing. Also just kind of brings it full circle for me that I'm working in the same harbor as Ocean Alliance after I did this huge deep dive on, on whale song um, because he's the man that helped start it all, which is pretty amazing. Um, the final point of interest that I like to point out on the Harbor, harbor Tour is a small island within Gloucester Harbor. It's called Ten Pound Island. Um, there are several theories as to how Ten Pound Island got its name. Um, again, there's been a lot of like settlement and then abandonment and then resettlement of the area. And so some of the stories just kind of like get lost along the way, even though the place has been inhabited off and on since the early 1600s. People kind of get lost in, in what's going on around here, I suppose. Um, but the story of Ten Pound Island, whatever the official story is, has been lost. The most likely theory is that the island um, used to house 10 pounds or cages or pens um, to quarantine sheep that had been shipped, shipped over from Europe before introducing them to the herds that were already established on the mainland. Um, and you know, this year, in 2020, I think we, uh, we really understand the point of quarantining now. Um, so that is why they think that there was 10 pounds for sheep on the island and that was its main purpose. The next competing theory is that the island was purchased for 10 pounds of silver from the Native Americans. Uh, but that's not likely to be the truth because the entire Cape Ann area um, was purchased for seven pounds of silver, so why would they pay more for a very small island? Um, in 1820, the first lighthouse was installed there to help vessels navigate through the harbor. It, is, it does have a shallow, rocky shoreline. Um, in 1925, the Coast Guard made the island into an air station, and rumor has it that this was originally done with the intention of catching rum runners during Prohibition. Um, at one time, the island was also used as a federal fish hatchery. Um, but now it's just the small lighthouse um, is all that's on the island and it looks like quite a few different marine birds are using it as like a nesting rookery now. Um, so what else is Gloucester famous for? Well, of course everyone thinks of The Perfect Storm. Um, the Perfect Storm was originally a book published in 1997 and then was turned into a movie in 2000. Um, it is based on a real series of events involving the fishing vessel, the Andrea Gale, which sank off um, the coast of Massachusetts, well, out off the Gulf of Maine, um, on the last days of October in 1991. Unfortunately, the captain and crew were lost during the storm, and some of the locals do say that the, the book is actually pretty accurate, but of course the movie is way too Hollywood. Um, but fishing and seafaring are two of the most dangerous professions in the world, and Gloucester has a large waterfront memorial in town um, to commemorate those lost at sea while fishing and to honor their families. Um, Gloucester is also famous for the Nat Geo reality show Wicked Tuna, that show has been on air since 2012 and has had several spin-offs as well. Um, we do see the boats and the film crews in the harbor. Um, the other day the Kraken was actually hauling a fish up at the auction house and we kind of um, made a big deal out of it for the passengers, like blew the horn and like cheered them on as they were hauling the fish up to the auction house. It was pretty funny. Um, now where we work when we leave Gloucester Harbor and we go out to sea and we go to watch whales is within Stellwagen Bank National Marine Sanctuary. Um, and I do think that I want to do 
a whole episode on National Marine Sanctuaries because that's like a whole different um, set of information that I could go on about for quite a while. Not all the sanctuaries were set up the same. Um, some of them have a little bit different legal background, uh, but they do all serve just about the same purpose um, to protect areas of water from seismic exploration and um, oil and gas drilling. Um, but each of them that I've worked in do have a little bit different history. So I at least want to try and um, cover the ones in Central California and then Hawaii and then Stellwagen Bank um, out in another episode. So that's your welcome to Gloucester. Um, and hopefully we're going to have some more content out for you guys soon. Um, the whales have been amazing here. Like they are so boat tolerant and we have so many mom calf pairs this year. Um, so it's been really fun. And out here because it's such a stable group of whales with a really high sight fidelity, like you know all the whales that come to the area and it, it's just a totally different, um, I guess like relationship you have with the whales that you're watching every day. It's, it's different than Maui where the whales are only there for a couple weeks and it's in and out and you hardly see the same one twice. Um, and it's different than California because it's a smaller group of animals that you're keeping track of and they're very loyal to their locations and um, they have entire family histories like salt, the most famous, I think arguably one of the most famous humpback whales in the world um, besides like Megaloo. She, I mean, not only do they know her, they know her kids and her grandkids and her great grandkids. Um, and we still see salt. I mean, I've seen her this season several times. And so um, it's really, and people like know the whales, the passengers know the whales. They're like, have you seen so-and-so? Like, that's my favorite whale. And so it's really cool to be out here and see all that kind of stuff. And so I'm excited to share more about that and about my experience out here so far. Um, so yeah, just hang in there. I hope everyone's being safe and just doing the best they can given the circumstances because I know it's not easy. Um, we're all going through it together. So um, hopefully this content will kind of help keep you keep you going. And if you guys have suggestions of things you want to hear about um, or anything like that, please let us know. Um, we will get back on posting on the social media pages as well. And again, a special shout out, thank you to our Patreon support supporters. Um, for continuing to contribute to our work even though um, it's been a difficult time for everybody like we really really appreciate your your support um, because the podcast even if we're not putting out content every week we do still have expenses every week for um, maintaining everything that we have now so we really appreciate your financial support on that and uh, hopefully I'll talk to you guys soon um, but thanks so much for listening and have a great day